0: Thank you for listening to this Calvary Aurora Bible study with Pastor Ed Taylor. We pray as you study through God's Word that you're blessed by God's abounding grace. Amen. Open your Bibles to John's Gospel, chapter 14. It's one of the places that we're going to be in our study. What is an afterglow or a believer's service? Now, I believe that God wants to work in and through us by the presence and by the power and by the person of the Holy Spirit. He wants to work in wonderful ways. God, I think you know, but it's worth repeating, God is not done reaching the lost on the earth today. He is not done in reaching the saved and encouraging you. He's not done acting and moving and uplifting and saving and transforming. He's not done with the amazing things that he promises in his scriptures. And so it makes sense because of the activity of God and his desire to reach more and more, even as the last days approach, that there is so much confusion in the church today about spiritual things, especially about spiritual gifts. Not only is there confusion, but there's so much argumentation and division over spiritual gifts where people take stands and and begin to speak, oh, I can't have fellowship if you believe in tongues and you don't believe in that, and it's... It's just being used to weaken the church today, and many churches have just turned away from the Holy Spirit to human-centered methods, trying to duplicate what only God can really do. And many believers today think that you can live the Christian life to please God in your own strength, and your own strategies, And and you you want to find that perfect book or that perfect CD study or that, that podcast that will give you what you need when what you need you already have inside of you, being born again of the Spirit. Now notice with me in John chapter 14 as we build upon the truths that Jesus taught us. Pick up with me in verse 16 of John 14. Really pick up in verse 15 where the paragraph starts. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth. Now, if you like to write in your Bibles, you wanna circle this. Another helper, and then you can circle the spirit of truth and just write an arrow there. That's who Jesus is speaking. When I leave, I'm gonna give you someone to help you. And again, that word helper in the Greek is the word parakletos. It means someone that comes alongside. And we have the Holy Spirit that comes alongside by coming and dwelling in us to empower us. The very presence of God is inside every believer. Another helper is sent, the Spirit of truth, verse 17, who the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you, will be in you. We learn in Acts chapter 1, he will also come upon you as a believer... And then it says in verse 18, I will not leave you orphans, I will come to you. So Jesus promises us that the work and the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit will be in us, that we won't be left orphans, that he's going to come. As he leaves, he's going to send the Holy Spirit And we learn in this section, as we studied it before, that Jesus speaks about the Spirit coming, that Jesus teaches us that the Spirit will teach us all things, that the Spirit of God will bring to remembrance everything that we've learned, that the Spirit of God will abide in us, and then we learn that the Spirit of God will gift us and empower us to live the life that He desires, the life that you and I are 100% incapable of living on our own. We're incapable of pleasing God on our own. We're incapable of accomplishing the will of God on our own with our own strategies and our own methods and our own, our own logic, our own thinking, our own Bible knowledge. All of it is nothing apart from the Spirit of God. Now, when it comes to spiritual gifts, we've studied this in depth in previous studies. As a matter of fact, you can go to our website, calvaryaurora.org, or our app. And there's a section, just spiritual gifts. And we went through them one by one, gave some, a lot of introduction to them, kind of laid out. If you weren't with us for those studies, they're really important to understand, not only to know what your gift is, but how it operates in your life. Sort of like an operation manual from the Bible of what the gift is and what it looks like in a person's life. I'd encourage you to study through those if you have not. Because you know what the Bible says? That God would not have us to be ignorant of spiritual gifts of spiritual things. And one of the things that the church is most ignorant of is spiritual gifts. And so there's a lot of frustration, and there's a lot of burnout, and there's a lot of, this isn't the life that I thought it would be, and primarily it's because When a person gets saved, they think they're just supposed to do whatever God wants them to do, just like they were not doing whatever God wants them to do beforehand, instead of realizing that this is a brand new life, that when you and I were born again of the Spirit, the Bible says that old things passed away. Behold, all things become new. Why? Because we're a new creation in Christ, a brand new creation. Now, there are two predominant views when it comes to, in the church today, when it comes to spiritual gifts. Let me give them to you, they're two extremes. On one side, there's a stream where the pendulum swings way over here, and then on, then the pendulum's gonna swing way over here, and then for us as a church, we wanna find the middle ground. We wanna, be, we wanna be as balanced as we can when it comes to spiritual gifts. So number one, if you're taking notes, a very predominant view, especially in the Western church when it comes to the gifts, is something called cessationism cessationism it's a fancy word that just simply means to cease they believe there is a large segment of the church today that believes that certain gifts no longer exist today and are unneeded primarily the gift of tongues the interpretation of tongues and the gift of prophecy speaking forth the word of god there are many people believe that once the Bible was completed, no longer need those gifts. And there's a lot of even argumentation within that view, but that's the primary view. And there's really only one verse that you could draw that conclusion from in 1 Corinthians 13. And once again, we've studied through it verse by verse. But the verse speaks of that when that which is perfect has come, then that which is imperfect will be done away. And that verse can't possibly refer to the Word of God. It wasn't in Paul's mind at all when he was writing it, but rather... He's referring to the second coming of Jesus Christ. And that makes sense, doesn't it? That when Jesus Christ comes back, what do we need the gifts for? Because we have the gift giver in full fellowship with him. Cessationism. We are not a church that holds to cessationism. We do not believe that some of the gifts are not with us today. We believe that all of the gifts are with us today. Now, let me clarify. When I refer to the gift of prophecy, I am not suggesting that God is writing new Bible. He's right, He's extending the Bible or adding to the Bible, but I am suggesting that God wants to speak today. I am suggesting that God has a word for you today. I am suggesting that God will use those that are gifted to speak God's word right into your heart, a word in due season. And he certainly does that all the time. Here's the other extreme. So the pendulum swings all the way to the other. So there's some churches that say no, no spiritual gifts. We're not interested in the Holy Spirit, at least in that way. And then the other one is something that I've termed, because I really didn't find a, a word for it, so I made a word up for it, hyper-expressionism. Uh, and this would refer to those churches that not only believe in the spiritual gifts, but actually exercise them in a very disorderly, chaotic, crazy, unrestrained way. And actually are involved in things that are unbiblical and non-biblical like gold dust falling from the ceiling or feathers showing up or barking in the spirit or who knows what is being invented that is unbiblical and then what they'll do is they'll just what are you doing man why are you barking like a dog well the spirit made me do it and they blame the holy spirit for their weird activity that's not biblical either hyper-expressionism where there has to be this huge emotional thing with the spiritual gifts. And, and I, I've certainly had people come through uh, in the ministry here in the last 18 years, and guys will come up after the service and just look me in the eye and go, you know what, Ed, this church is dead. And I said, really? Well, what do you see that it's so dead? Well, there was just nothing going on. All you did was stand up there and teach. And there was just nothing going on. There wasn't anybody speaking in tongues, no utterances. It was so quiet in here. And I said, well, you don't think the Spirit of God was moving through the gift of pastor-teacher? Did you talk to anybody when they were leaving and ask them what God did in their hearts? Did you ask them where God ministered? Did you, ask, did you get up and walk out when the person was crying because the Holy Spirit just so ministered him they need to compose them? Did you, like, dead church, bro, you need to check. Your... No, I don't do that. I'm nice to them. <laughs> it's a discipleship moment. But what they're doing is, it's just like, man, I come from a church where they're crazy and you guys aren't crazy. And so to me, that doesn't seem alive. And, and believe me, whenever two or three are gathered, church is alive, man. God is moving in his ministry. And so really what happens is, is depending on your makeup, if you're more of an emotional, outward type of person, then these hyper-expressive types of things are pretty attractive to you. And if you're more of a composed, quiet person, then the teaching atmosphere that we wanna create here uh, is, is important for you because you want to learn and the Holy Spirit uses it. And so you got the two extremes and then you try to come down to the middle where we believe that all the spiritual gifts exist today and we believe that they should be exercised decently and in order according to the scriptures. We want to be in the middle of the work of the Holy Spirit. We want to be dependent upon the Spirit and it's important that we don't impose our culture and our context and our preconceived ideas into the work of the Holy Spirit, but rather to take from the scriptures and allow God to teach us how he has revealed himself to us. It's so vital. To allow the Holy Spirit, instead of imposing our culture upon the work of God, what our goal is, and don't, don't misunderstand me. I don't think we're perfectly exercising uh, everything about the, I don't think we're the perfect church or we do everything perfect. This is just where we're headed. This is just what we want to go. This is where we want to grow in. This is how we want to mature. And, and instead of imposing our ideas on the scripture to the best of our ability, we want the Holy Spirit to impose himself upon us, to change us, to speak to us. I'm certain, I won't ask for a hand, but I am certain that many of you woke up today wanting to hear from God. Not just a Bible study, although that is a primary vehicle that God uses. Faith comes by hearing in what? Hearing by the Word of God. So the Bible is not unimportant, and we are fully committed 100% to teaching the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book, through it all, and if we ever get to finish, we'll start over in Genesis, and we'll go through again and allow the Holy Spirit to use it. So, but, 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 there is a dynamic of relationship that God has for you with the Holy Spirit that's available to you right now. Exercising your gifts, being in an environment where you exercise your gifts. Like for example, when it comes to the gift of tongues and these extremes, uh, a prophetic utterance or a word of knowledge, this is because of the extremes and the disagreements and, and how people get really upset about these things, not just some people, not most people, but some people, we included a line in our statement of faith It's actually point number 20 in our statement of faith to address this question in case anybody asks it. If they weren't here for this Bible study or they don't have access to one of the pastors and they go, what kind of church is this? Well, number 20, let me read it to you from our statement of faith. We believe that the Bible clearly delineates that spiritual gifts are for the edification of the body and that they're to be exercised in love. We believe that love is more important than the most spectacular gifts. And without love, all exercise of spiritual gifts is worthless. In our services, we focus on a personal relationship with God through worship, prayer, and the teaching of the Word of God. We do not practice speaking in tongues during worship or while a Bible study is in progress because we do not believe that the Holy Spirit would interrupt himself. God is not the author of confusion. These gifts are encouraged in more intimate settings, like personal prayer times and afterglow services, where their benefit can accomplish the purpose for which they've been given, the edification of the body of Christ. And that's why we, we discourage those of you that have the gift of tongues, not to get up right like in the middle of the Bible study and start uh, screaming out some utterance in tongues. Now, if that ever happened in this church, if that ever happened on a Sunday or Saturday in a large gathering, I'll tell you exactly how it'll be handled. I will stop the service. I will stop teaching. I will ask for someone in the body, does anybody have the gift of interpretation? We'll wait for that to be answered. And if there is an interpretation, then then we will allow that to go forward. And then I will ask the person, don't do that again. And then we'll take that person after the service and begin to explain to them why I would say don't do that again because you just, like the Holy Spirit was taking the whole church one way and then you decided that you wanted to take the church the whole other way and, and everybody's now all over the place and... There is, there, there is that specific gift, and it can be exercised, but you can see how confusing it would be if somebody just got up, and somebody on this side, and then if this side, if they can speak in tongues over here, then somebody over here is like, well, I wanna get in on that, and we can get over here, and then you will wanna get in on it, and before you know it, before you know it, it's just a lot of flesh. And so what, what do we do? We have afterglow services to exercise this gift in the context of a group of believers for the edification or the building up. Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Let me show you the biblical basis for an afterglow service. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Now the actual, the phrase afterglow, if you're taking notes, comes to us from the book of Exodus. It's describing Exodus 33, how God wanted to show Moses his glory but knew that it would kill Moses if he saw his glory in his fullness. And so he hid Moses in a cave in the cleft of a rock, and then he passed by him. And what Moses experienced as God passed by him was his afterglow. It, it was the presence of God of what Moses could handle. And so we've adopted that word to describe a believer's meeting. And, and notice in 1 Corinthians chapter 14... We have a biblical basis, and, and when you come tonight, and you're a part of that, it'll be downstairs at six o'clock. When you come, uh, this is the scripture we will use to get to make sure everybody understands what we're doing in a small little Bible study. It won't be much. It won't, when you come tonight, it won't be like today. It won't be like Sunday morning. Instead, it'll be. You well, know, we never know what an afterglow meeting is going to be like. Sometimes it's a prayer meeting. Sometimes it becomes a worship time. Sometimes it becomes uh, folks just sharing scripture. Uh, sometimes it, it, we never know where it's going to go. We're just open. Well, Lord, lead us and guide us and speak to us and encourage us and, and reveal yourself to us. And so notice 1 Corinthians 14, pick up with me in verse 26. How is it then, brethren, whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation? Let all things be done for edification. And then he begins to give instruction on, on how to use you know the prophets and the speaking in tongues. And in verse thirty three says, "God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints." So there are things that happen in a believer's meeting. He lists them out. They're going to be psalms. And so in a believer's meeting, you can have you can some, we'll have somebody with a guitar uh, leading us in worship. But sometimes God will just put a song on your heart, and, and you'll sing a song. You, and you're like, you, you might be there, and you go, I've never heard that song before. I know, because God gave it to the person, so they're singing it. And we get to enjoy the psalm. Uh, sometimes it's a familiar worship psalm. Sometimes it's a hymn. Uh, and, and, and it's a freedom to, to enjoy exercising psalms. And then it says teaching. There's a teaching in verse 26. And of course, the leader, like today, I'll be leading it. I'll give a small teaching, not a Bible study, but a small teaching on the afterglow so we can set the stage and everybody will have a better understanding of what we're doing. Then there's the gift of tongues. This is a a gathering. A believer's meeting is an appropriate way where, according to the scriptures, two or three at the most will be able to exercise that gift and, and with the interpretation And and almost always, uh, we already know folks in our fellowship that have the gift of interpretation, there's almost, I don't think there's ever been an afterglow where there hasn't been someone with the gift of interpretation. And then, uh, the interpreting of tongues is mentioned here, as well as revelation. So a word of wisdom, people sharing a word of knowledge, people sharing a scripture that God put on their hearts to be able to share that with one another. Basically, it's a general openness in a broader way to the Spirit of God, because here's some things you need to understand. You are incapable of accomplishing the will of God in your own strength, incapable of it. You are incapable of pleasing God, I'm incapable of enjoying God, I'm incapable of experiencing God in my own mind. We live in a very rational culture, don't we? That that values knowledge and logic. And because of that, we value rationality and logic and knowledge, and it creates a barrier between us and God. Now, God is rational and logic and knowledgeable, but he's also personal. You know, imagine a relationship. Imagine a marriage. Imagine uh, you and your kids or you and your mom and dad, that the only way that you could have a real relationship is that everything's explained to you, that everything, I don't think I can hug you right now. I'm not sure what hug means. Instead of just going up and hugging your mom. Like I have to understand. Well, what's going to happen? How am I going to feel? How long do I hug? What this is? You know, imagine a relationship like that. How, how many of us could actually? You know, if you just feel like hugging your wife, you go. I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't. I don't know. Do I, am I going to hug right? What's she going to say? Is she going to elbow me? But if she elbow me, does she love me? I'm not sure. And so you never hug. That's pretty weird, isn't it? But with the things of the Lord, so many step back from God. Like I'm even talking about a believers meeting and you're wrestling with it. Like, I don't know, man. I'm not sure. I'm not sure I should, I want to gather like that. I mean, I like Bible study and I like singing, but I don't know. And and I'm telling you that there's a dynamic that God wants to add to you on the personal level in your walk with the Lord. He wants to speak to you. These gatherings are very special. Uh, In November of last year, I'd finished teaching Sunday morning. I knew that I knew that there was an aftergo that evening, and I didn't want to go. I didn't want to go. As a matter of fact, I determined not to go on my way home. I'm not coming back, you know, I'm going to go lay down, take a nap, and, and then uh, just call in sick and tell the guys I'm not coming, and, and, and I didn't want to be here. And, and that's an amazing, I mean, have you guys ever thought about, have you guys ever felt like you didn't want to go to church, yes or no? Because I don't want to be the only one in the room, like busted by the Holy Spirit. I mean, it was back in November, but it was real. I was very mad. A personal situation going on in my life for the last few years, and that particular day, it caught up to me, and I was very mad, and I was very frustrated, and, and I was very close to taking things into my own hands, like, like, um, like Abraham did in creating an Ishmael. And, and I was wrestling with God, and, and I didn't want to go to the afterglow. I just didn't want to be around believers. I just was fighting, fighting God and, and fighting, like, being the leader of my home because if I don't go, then maybe my kids won't go and maybe my wife won't, you know, and I'm, I was just, it was a bad, bad, bad day. And, I mean, right after teaching, right after serving, I was just so angry and so frustrated and so, man, I just, I'm just gonna fix this once and for all. And I ended up coming but even when I got here, I didn't want to be here. So I sat in a chair, put my head down in my hands like this, and just sat there the whole time. Uh, I wasn't necessarily not paying attention because when you're in a room, you have to pay attention. Like I didn't fall asleep or anything, but I was just there going, I don't want to be here. I don't want to be here. Why am I here? I don't want to be here. Lord, I just want to get up and take care of this and I'll just take care of it and it'll be done. And, and then, and then as, as the leader, it was Pastor Matt that day. Pastor Matt was leading. Uh, as he began to open up, the, open up the time and gave the freedom, there was somebody behind me that had a word, and they shared it right behind me, and and, I sa- and, and it was like the Lord saying, that was for you, Ed, and I said, no, it's not for me because I don't want to be here, and then they went on with it, and then somebody over here had a word, another, another word kind of the same theme, and the Lord was telling me, Ed, that's for you, and I said, no, it's not for me. I don't want to be here. So just tell God, you know, I'm telling God, tell somebody else it's for them. Like, it's not for me. I don't, I don't even want to be here. And then over here in the room, and, and it, it, it was like a circle. So it went all the way around the room, and then all the way, it either started in front of me, behind me, I don't really remember. And it made a full circle, four or five people, separate words, separate things. And God was telling me, Ed, that's for you. And I kept saying, no, I'm going to end this. I'm going to take care of it. And God said, no, this is for you. And then as we're wrapping up, kind of like you do, when we get toward the end of the service, you're like, okay, almost done. <laughs> almost done, honey. I can, I can smell the eggs. It's about time. He didn't go over time. Just like you do. I'm like, okay, we're almost done. I can just go out. I'll, I'll, I'll get out quick and put my head down. I'm not in no mood to serve anyone. I'm in no mood to pray with anyone. It's just better that I move on and go back home in my old bad self. Pastor Matt got up. And he began to tie the whole thing together he began to tie the whole thing together and the lord knows me just like he knows you now again don't think i was the only one being ministered to that night i wasn't it was a room full of people god was ministering all over to everyone but this was me this was me pastor matt begins to tie it all up and god knows me so he gave to pastor matt something along these lines Okay, you've heard the word of the Lord today and, and you, you just need to, to stand to your feet and we're going to pray with you and release this to the Lord, something like that. And, and God knows, and this is what Matt said. He gave the scripture, like, it's better to obey than to sacrifice. And God knows me, and this is something about me. Again, I'm not perfect in this area, but this is something about me. When it's a matter of obedience and I know that I'm disobedient, it's very hard for me to be disobedient. It's super hard. When God puts it into that black and white and say, Ed, this is the right thing to do, and this is the wrong thing to do, and you wanna do the wrong thing, I have a very hard time continuing down the hard thing. That's how God gets me, just black and white. This is the way it is. And So Pastor Matt got up and said, okay, it's obedience, you need to obey. You need to get up, and I, I told Matt, I, "I, told Matt, you're fired, man. You're fired." <laughs> I didn't do that. I didn't do that. And, and, and the Lord really ministered me, and I stood up and I just broke down. The Lord had released me from that feeling that I had, that would have probably been a very destructive decision on my part. Very, it would have not been well. And. I'm sure God could have gotten to me another way. He has. It's not like you need an afterglow service to do that. But to be in that kind of environment where you're open for the Holy Spirit to speak to you and the body ministry is happening and, and there is a loving God that knows you're in a particular room surrounded by particular people and you're thinking about a particular thing and you're open with the word of wisdom and a scripture shared and a psalm over here and and all tying it together in a personal message for you to do the right thing, it's a very powerful, powerful thing. As a matter of fact, that opened a a door for me even farther than that where I was all these years fighting going to the Grief Share class that, that we have here. Because I'm a pastor, it's my church. Like, um, When I go into a group like that, I want to serve them. I don't, I don't want to be served. Like if I'm in there and I'm in a group, I want to I serve them. I want to love them. And I want to take care of them. And it would be hard for me to walk into a group. And, and at least that's what was always in my mind. And then that was the time in November when we were doing that one day um, surviving the holiday class where I was fighting that too. And saying, "No, I'm not going to do that." I, I, Lord, you know, if I go in there, I'm just going to want to serve them, and and I do want to serve them, but 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 I need I need some help in this area after three, four years now. And then that that afterglow, actually that word of the Lord and His working, then put me into that class, which then relieved another big burden on my heart since last November, and 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 just put me back into a place of you just I say all this to say in my own life, just just so you can walk along with me. That God has direction for your life. He wants to speak to you. He, he does it more than just Bible study. That the spiritual gifts are given to the church for what? The edification. That's a Bible word that means to be built up, to be strengthened, to be helped. And if we neglect the gathering of the saints, then we're gonna neglect a very important tool in the hands of God that would be there to help you. And you're just going to, you, you can choose to keep trying on your own strength. You can choose to keep fighting and, you know, make it another day. All the while, the Lord wants to release you and, and rescue you and help you to get back on track. Let me give you an example of one in the Bible as we wind down. Go to Acts chapter 13. Go to Acts chapter 13. Because we have the closest thing really to what a believer's meeting looked like right here in the early church as they were gathering together to worship to draw near and to hear from the Lord. And what did God do? This is the first time we see him commissioning missionaries. Very similar to the ordination service that you saw today, where where the Lord is commissioning men into the ministry. It's beautiful. So notice with me in Acts chapter 13, the church in Antioch that has left out from from Jerusalem now, and the church has been settled in Antioch, it says, verse 1 of chapter 13 of the book of Acts, Now, in the church that was in Antioch, uh, there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who's called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaan, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. And notice this, the reason why I believe this was primarily a believers' meeting is because in verse 2 it says, they ministered to the Lord and fasted. That's what believers do. Unbelievers don't minister to the Lord. And they normally don't fast in a spiritual way. This is a spiritual way. They might fast because the doctor told them to, but this is a spiritual meeting that I believe is a believer's meeting. Guys getting together with teachers and prophets to wait on the Lord, to minister to the Lord, to serve the Lord. And notice, when they did, notice what it says. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit, what does your Bible say? Said, the Holy Spirit spoke in a believer's meeting. Now, how do you suppose that happened? How do you think? Do you think it was a big, booming voice through the roof? I don't. I think, and I believe, that the Holy Spirit spoke to a waiting group ministering to him through the prophets, that he gave a word of prophecy and instruction, and he said this, separate to me Barnabas and Paul for the work which I have called them. And then when they heard that, it says in verse 3, they fasted, and they prayed, and they laid hands on them, and they sent them away. The Holy Spirit speaks. He wasn't writing new scripture. He wasn't adding a chapter to the Bible. He was giving direction to the church. And what's happened in our culture, what's happened in our culture, not just the rational, logical part of our culture, but the church culture has replaced the Holy Spirit with entertainment and man-centered methods. Now some of you might have experienced that, maybe some of you don't have any idea what I'm talking about, but I'm telling you that so much of the church is interested in entertaining and filling rooms and following method, methods and packaging and not relying upon the Holy Spirit. Because listen, a church is messy. And being led by the Holy Spirit is messy. Your, your home as you live, for the especially you guys that are raising little kiddos, your home is messy. And everything in you wants to keep it clean. And finally, you just go, you know what? This is what it's like with little kids. <laughs> we don't have little kids in our house right now. But Marie still doesn't want a messy house. And anytime we have a visitor, she's going to we've got to clean. We've got to clean. I'm like, look, babe, why don't we just let them see how we live? I mean, it's not like we're in the middle of, it's not like a trash dump. But why do we need to clean? Just let them see how we live. This is how we live. I mean, it's not that bad. <laughs> she doesn't let it get away with that. But the church is messy. And the cleaning agent of the church is the leading of the Holy Spirit. It's not entertainment. It's not trying to be the hippest and coolest. You know, it's really a discouraging thing as a pastor because, you know, all these churches are trying to be hip and cool and hip and cool are not going to be hip and cool in five years. And then what? Or 10 years. Because the Bible warns us in the last days. You believer, me believer, that some of us and within my voice are going to have itching ears, itching ears like, like, like what you 're hearing regular Bible study week after week, and you know we're, how long are we going to be in this, and you know we 're studying the Old Testament Jane or first kings, or how long you know, and your ears start itching there 's got to be something out there that can be more encouraging and something where I can laugh more, and something 's going to make me feel good, and as your ears are itching. The Bible says that then there's the danger and temptation to raising yourself up a teacher that will what? Scratch that itch. And I'm itching to feel good. And so there's always a guy out there. Don't worry about it. Everything's going to be fine. Big smile. Never talk about sin. Never talk about the problems in your life. Never talk about the cross, the blood of Jesus Christ. I mean, seriously, why would Jesus have to die if there wasn't a problem of sin in our lives? that's wrecking lives, and destroying marriages, and hurting people. And we have to be careful that when our ears do begin to itch, that we don't yield to the temptation to follow our own devices, but rather to be led by the Holy Spirit, to just know that where we are is by the will of God, and not raise up for our teachers that will just tell us what we want to hear. Now, you don't have to admit it now, but man, how many times do we live life where we just want to be told what we want to hear? We Just just tell me what I want to hear. Now, that usually doesn't come out of our mouths, but it does come out when we hear hear something we don't want to hear, we get mad, frustrated, shut down, run away, and all sorts of coping mechanisms in not having coming face-to-face with the reality of life as the Bible teaches. And I share that as a warning to you. And when we get to... The next service, when it's live on the radio, I'll speak to the pastors driving home, and I'll speak to the pastors that are going to lunch, listening to the radio, and I'll remind them that they're not to be the kind of pastor that's just gonna go around using man-made methods to build, a, to build an organization based on the methods of man, because that's the wrong foundation, and that's the wrong way to do ministry. And God, help us all to stay in the spirit. When you read the scriptures, you notice that the Spirit of God is the primary moving force of every believer and every church. And while I have no intention of being irrelevant to you, and I have no intention of making the Bible boring to you, I mean, if the Bible becomes boring to you, that's my fault as a teacher. So I have no desire, like I'm not anti-relevant, I don't want to use... Uh, illustrations from the 1920s that you don't have any idea. I mean, I'm getting old. I was not 1920s, but, you know, if I, if I start talking about modems and, you know, AOL, most of the kids are going, what? You know, I, now we have to include in every message. Just Google it. Just Google it. Just ask Siri. You know, just add, You'll find out all this information of when we grew up. And, and, and I have no desire of not being relevant. I want to be, I, I want the Bible to be right here in the 21st century, um, but, but I'm not, I'm not striving after being relevant you know, being cool is like being tall. You either are or you're not. (laughs) I just know that in my life, I'm just not one of those cool, hipster kind of people. I just know God's going to use me the way he wants to use me, and I'm not going to try to be something I'm not because that leads to frustration and scattering the flock. And, and so this, this, it's not that I don't wanna be relevant, but these ministries, there that's their whole goal. Our goal is not to be relevant as much as it is to be faithful to Jesus Christ, because he's relevant in every generation. Every generation. I mean, Jesus was, obviously, this is an understatement, isn't it? But Jesus was a genius, God in human flesh. So when he wants to talk to us about how God's gonna provide for us, what does he do? He says, look at the flowers. Something that we could all do today. Look at the flowers, they're so beautiful. But even Solomon wasn't arrayed like those flowers. Even the king that had most of no, the most resources and all isn't nothing like those flowers, and yet God, He takes care of flowers. Don't you think He'll take care of you? I mean, that's every generation's gonna understand flowers or birds. I mean, if you lived in my house, you would know the birds in our neighborhood think they own my house. I mean, they'll put their little nest. It doesn't matter what we do. We put bleach up there to clean all the nastiness. We get it all out, and they still come back. And then, I'm all right with that, right? I'm not going to charge them rent. I'm not going to put a little note under their nest. I'm not going to hire somebody to evict them. They can have my front porch. But then you give them a little bit, and what do they do? We go out the front door. They take off to my neighbor Larry's house. They go to the pinnacle of his house and watch me in my house. <laughs> they're, like, they're like, man, that's my kids. That's my nest. And then if I don't move fast enough out and around, you know what they do? They dive bomb me. Like this crazy mom, she's like, boom, get away from my kids. I don't want your kids, man. And just understand, I'm giving you free rent. We should have an agreement here. So birds, we all get birds. And what does Jesus say? Look at the birds. They don't toil and reap. They don't work hard. They're not stressed out. They squat on other people's land and never have to worry And then he says, why do you worry? The Bible's relevant to every generation, guys. Jesus put it that way. And the most relevant thing you and I can do is to learn more about the person and the presence and the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So as a church, part of our fellowship family is once a month, first Sunday of the month, Sunday night, six o'clock, downstairs, we gather for an afterglow service so the Holy Spirit can speak and move. And it's always different. It's always unique. And and you know a lot of times maybe even to this point you're like, "Well, I don't know, it sounds like it might go crazy there." For all the years that we've done it, not one gathering has ever gone crazy. Whatever that means to you. You know, it's not been out of control. Now, of course, tonight might be that night, but so what? Uh, well, I'm there to help disciple somebody because they're just stepping out in faith wanting to exercise a gift that they have, and they just need to be discipled and encouraged and loved on, we're not going to judge you and condemn you for attempting to step out and obey the Lord. And we got to make room for people. Maybe it's going to be messy. Maybe even the church in Corinth was out of control, but what Paul say, hey, you guys, can you guys get back under control? He doesn't say stop doing it. He says, stop doing it that way. And that's so good. The Lord's so gracious to us and so good to us. And I don't know where you are today. I don't know what God's doing in your life. I don't know what, he, what questions you came to church with or what's happening in your marriage right now or how you're praying for your kids or what's going on at work or how you're paying the bills. I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. We all got stuff, don't we? Maybe you're just so mad and frustrated like I was. I mean, that might be shocking to some of you. Oh, pastor, you don't want to be at church? That day I sure didn't. You get really mad? Yeah. And actually, I've been learning something. I don't know if you guys knew this or not, but I'm learning something about anger. Uh, anger that's outward is an outburst of wrath. So the Bible says, "You know what anger anger inward becomes? Depression." And you know the solution to that is submission to the will and purpose of God in your life. That's what He wants to do in you. He wants to free you. He wants to release you. That was a word of the Lord. You just experienced a word of knowledge and some of you it was just for you. It didn't come out that way last night, but it came out this way today. Why? Because people listening, certain individuals listening, God wanted you to hear those exact words that went right to your heart. You didn't hear anything else today but that. So you take that little treasure home with you and cherish it and thank God for his love and care for you. And I invite you to step out in one more thing uh, in your church family. And one more time just to be there. And maybe you you might come and want to hear from the Lord, but you also might come and have a word from the Lord for us, for me, for the person next to you. And it's an afterglow time is really beautiful, and it's really unpredictable. We don't know how it's going to go, but we're always eager to find out and to follow the Lord. Amen? So, Father, uh, thank you for the time in your Word today, and um, just that anticipation of the work of your Spirit, and the desire that you have to speak and to encourage and to minister to us. Um, we want to gather like Acts thirteen, where it says <clears throat> that they ministered to you, and you spoke, you showed up, um, you, you you responded to that ministry, and we want that. We. We, we, we hear a lot about ministering for you and serving you, but you also, you also have the, given us the privilege to, to minister to you. And like it says in Zechariah chapter 4, it's not by might and it's not by power, but it's by your spirit, saith the Lord. It's not our human methodologies. It's not a latest article we read or a CD we heard. It's you, Lord, through your word, in the power of your Holy Spirit. And we want to be faithful to submit to you. We want to be faithful to, to um, submit, surrender to you. And that seems to be the, the word today, surrender. As the church is praying, if you're here today, you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, I want to invite you to do that. I want to invite you. You know, we talk about these gatherings for believers, and you're not even a believer yet. But listen, God loved you so much that he sent his son Jesus Christ to die for you. So that if you would believe in him, you wouldn't perish, but have everlasting life. That, that, that Jesus that we speak of as God in human flesh, was viciously tortured on a Roman cross, and he died there. They took him down off the cross and put him in a, in a grave they sealed it. Put a big rock in front of the opening and sealed it and even put guards in front of it to make sure nobody came and stole the body. And the Bible declares and many witnesses attest that Jesus Christ rose again from the dead and he's alive today. We do not worship a God that's dead. We worship a God who's alive. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, of those that are alive. And God wants to impart life to you today. And I invite you to follow Jesus. I'm not inviting you to this church. I'm not inviting you to follow me. I'm not inviting you to become my disciple. I, I, on behalf of Jesus Christ, would be doing just what he did with Matthew. Hey, you get up and come follow me. I'm inviting you to Jesus Christ, the one that loves you and gave his life for you. The one that promised by faith to never leave or forsake any and every believer. The one that promised to every single believer that he would be there and send his Holy Spirit and not leave you an orphan and not leave you alone and not leave you afraid. The one that showed you the flowers and said, my God, my father takes care of you. The one that will point to the birds and say, you know what? They don't have a job, but they don't worry because my father takes care of them. He'll take care of it. Aren't you more valuable than birds? Jesus said. And so today, if that's you, would you if you say, Ed, I I do, I need to follow God, I want to follow God. Would you just stand to your feet right now and want to pray with you? We want to pray with you and 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 lead you in a prayer because the Bible says if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I don't exactly know how God uses all that. Because sometimes you pray inwardly, sometimes you pray outwardly, sometimes. You stand, sometimes you walk an aisle, sometimes you're in your car. I mean, none of these outward things really matter. It's a spiritual thing, and it happens in a moment of time. We know that. And it's a call to follow. It's a call to follow. And I want to give you that call. Anyone here would say, that's me. And I don't want to miss you guys. I did last night, but you're downstairs. I know there was a response downstairs in the cafe last night. Uh, and so if you're downstairs in one of the overflow, God sees you too. So I'd I, I forgot that last night, but I won't today. Anyone here? <clears throat> Today's the day. Well, as you wrestle with it, as you think it through, just know this Jesus is calling you away from your sin. You don't need some pastor describing every single sin in your life. You already know what they are. You already know what has you captive. And so release that to him. You could say, God, I admit that I've sinned. I wanna follow you. I don't quite understand everything about Jesus yet, but his love, your love for me, God, captures me. God wants to show you a love you've never experienced before. So there'll be men, the pastors will be up after the service here, some of them men and women on the prayer team will be up here at the stage. You're surrounded by believers in the room right here. If you need to talk to somebody about what's going on in your life, you need prayer, you just want to confess something like it says in James to another believer, you know, just pray about it. Then come up and speak to one of the pastors, one of the prayer team guys and gals, and let the Holy Spirit minister to you. And so many of you will see it tonight. We'll be downstairs six o'clock in the agape room and come expectant. Come expectant to hear from the Lord. Come expectant to speak. Come expectant to worship. Just that the Lord might refill you in this time. So let's stand together, church. And just knowing that the Lord, leave here today just knowing that God loves you. You may not feel loved right now. You may not feel encouraged, but God loves you. He wants you to be built up. Maybe the discouragement you're feeling right now is actual actual inward anger. The Holy Spirit wants to heal you of that anger. Maybe you're watching online right now because you're so stinking mad that you didn't want to be here, but God got you anyway, didn't he? Because he loves you. You can't run away from the love of God or from the will of God. Ask Jonah, he'll tell you. Ask any believer that's tried to run away from the Lord. It's impossible. Even the psalmist said in Psalm 39, where am I going to go from your presence? Nowhere nowhere. And so let's stop running today, would you? Stop running and run. If you're going to run, run to the Father. Go home. Go home. Come home to the work of the Spirit in your life. God bless you guys. We pray that you've been touched by this study from Calvary Aurora. For prayer or a copy of this study, call area code 303-628-7200. Be blessed this week in the Lord.